The dog days of the NFL season are now upon us, and with this comes a rampant amount of speculation. Free agency, the combine, the draft, then training camp, all culminating back in the end of August and the start of September where football will start again. But Jake, we got a long fucking way to go. That we do. But welcome everybody to Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, as always, joined by my co-host Jake Miller. And Jake, because of all of this dead time that we're going to be having, granted, it'll only be dead for about two to three weeks, what with franchise tags as well, and then the start of free agency, which will last for probably a week or two, and then heading into the combine and the draft, where we will also probably see some blockbuster trades or at least we expect to. Let's just start things off with the news that we had for this week, which just starting things off, Jake, Justin Fields unfollowed the Chicago Bears on Instagram. The world was, the sky was falling when it happened. And he was asked about it on the St. Brown Brothers podcast, and he sort of explained it as, you know, he likened it to if you're messing around with a girl, you're not following her on social media, which, first off, he's not wrong. It's not a terrible example. And he was also trying to say that he's not trying to see football. He's trying to go on vacation. Jake, what is your takeaway from his comments? about unfollowing the bears and also apparently the NFL. You know, I think fields has every right to do what he has because he took a leap forward in his third year. There's still a lot of things he has to work on to be a steady, like middle tier or potentially even top 12 quarterback. He's a top three rusher in the league, but his passing is a thing that needs to be developed. Like I said, he took a step forward this year with having that D, with having DJ Moore having a slightly better O line. But I think that his days as a Chicago Bear are numbered, and I think he knows that. He just doesn't know where he's going to end up. Exactly, and to be honest, Jake, I think he handled the situation extremely well. Because he's saying all the right things. He's saying, you know, it's not, I love the city of Chicago. I'd love to stay if they'll have me. But I think it was getting to him. You know, you see all the speculation about, oh, are they drafting Caleb? Are they trading the pick and keeping Justin? Are they drafting someone else instead of Caleb? I think that what he is thinking is, I'm seeing, I know you guys don't really want me. You guys are saying all the right things. But I think, like you said, he sees the writing on the wall. He sees that his days are numbered. And to be honest, I think he's also sort of thinking, why would I, you know, you guys are probably already moving off for me. Why do I need to be following you? We're not, we're not really, we're not going to be together much longer. You know, you sort of hear Like, Jake, it's sort of when you hear rumors about, you know, you hear like celebrity dating and you hear about, oh, they had a fight. They they're sleeping in separate rooms, shit like that. That's sort of what this is feeling like. And we sort of thought 
as it was building up, th as the season was starting to wind down, once Carolina finished with the number one pick, which goes to the Bears via the trade last year, I think everyone sort of expected that Justin Fields for the last like four, three, four games was basically applying to either force the Bears into a tough decision or auditioning for his next team. And to me, Jake, I think that he was auditioning for his next team. I think that there are quite a few places that he would be an upgrade, especially as far as talent is concerned. But like you said, running the ball, he can absolutely run. But one of his knocks in college was he holds the ball too long. He still has an issue with that because I think to me, Jake, what I think is he doesn't see the field as well as you would hope it, a guy in year three would be seeing it because he of how long he holds the ball. But it seems like he waits for guys to be wide, wide open. And college wide open and NFL wide open is completely different. If there's a foot long of space in the NFL, that's wide open. Whereas wide open in college is, you know, 10, 15 yards. So, and we've seen, you can find clips where you have DJ Moore and other players wide open in the end zone and Justin Fields just plain doesn't see them. And he's scrambling around for four or five seconds. So I think that a change of scenery would be good for both him. And I think it would be good for the Bears because they're able to reset that quarterback clock. I think that Fields is gone. And right, go ahead. What team? So let's just do this really quick. What team? And before we started the show today, folks, we did talk about the betting odds, like what team we think Fields will go to. The chalk pick that has always been is, even when Arthur Smith was still with the Falcons, was the Falcons. And I think with their new head coach, Raheem Morris, they're going to be aggressive in the offseason for a quarterback. Now, whether they trade up and try to get like Jaden or Drake May, who knows? But I think they'll trade a second-round pick for Fields, and it maybe even be a comp for a future first. Who knows? I think it's possible. The Before a couple days ago, the Steelers were actually the betting odds favorite to land Fields. Mike Tomlin has openly spoken out in his support and his love for Justin Fields in these recent weeks, I would not be surprised if he went to Pittsburgh. I think that you have a multitude of weapons, Jalen Warren, Najee. I don't know if he'll be back, but if he does return, he's at least a solid back, albeit not very efficient. You got George Pickens, you got Deontay Johnson, Calvin Austin is a burner. You got Pat Fryermuth, you got Darnell Washington. And the Steelers usually have a pretty solid young O line too. Exactly. The Steelers usually have a decently solid O line for the most part. And Arthur Smith as a coordinator 
We saw what he was able to do with a guy like Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Now, I think that with Mike Tomlin being the head coach, Arthur Smith isn't going to be able to run jet sweeps with Jonu Smith and feed Tyler Algier 25 carries over Bijan Robinson and guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts in the passing game. But I do think that Fields, with his mobility, would allow Arthur Smith to run the ball a little bit more creatively. Because as an offensive or as a offensive coordinator, he was the guy that helped Derrick Henry get 2,000 yards rushing. You mentioned Atlanta. I would not be surprised if he went there either for the weapons that we talked about. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, all top 10 picks, all first rounders, all just absolute studs at their position that were severely underutilized and often forgotten last year. And I think that Raheem Morris, he's he's going to be smart. He knows who his top playmakers are. And he, with Fields, he would want to run the ball with Bijan, but he would also want to make sure Fields distributes to his top guys. I do think that those are the two best picks. But Jake, what do you think is your dark horse one? Because we looked at the betting odds. You had the Vikings floated out there. Seattle. You had the Buccaneers also floated out there. The Broncos. Who's your dark horse team if Fields doesn't go to either Atlanta or Pittsburgh? I mean, I said this a long time ago earlier in the season when we all went as soon as we knew the Bears are getting the first overall pick. I said that I think the if the Vikings can't retain Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell's going to see a fresh set of legs in Justin Fields and be like, you know, that made Too Justin Jefferson Achilles. happy. Yep. He would see that would make Justin Jefferson happy. He'd be able to run an offense where he has a mobile quarterback. And I think Kevin O'Connell could really dive deep into his bag of tricks for that offense if he had a mobile quarterback. And I mean, yes, it's an interdivision trade, but I think that would be an amazing pairing of of a young, very talented quarterback and having a true offensive minded head coach who can design a run game because he comes from that Shanahan tree. Absolutely. And I do think that when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields who has that mobility, it'll open things up a lot in the running game, which I think Justin Fields would absolutely explode as far as the rushing attack goes, because Alexander Madison and Cam Akers are not very good. They are not good at all. And we saw that Ty Chandler took over that backfield, and I think he will be the starter this next year. But Jake, I'm going to look at potentially the Buccaneers, because I think it is a lock almost that Baker is going to be going to, or is he's going to be staying in Tampa. However, if a team decides to give Baker $45, $50 million, 
the Buccaneers could just say, We're, we don't want that. And because they made the playoffs, their pick isn't very high. Would I take a flyer with a first rounder if I'm pretty low with Justin Fields? I at least consider it because Rashad White, he's an he's a pretty decent running back. Mike Evans, we don't know his status, but I do think that you'll still have Chris Godwin. I think that it is very possible they would draft a receiver in the draft. And I think that you still have Kate Otten, who was emerging as a very solid tight end. I, I'm not ruling out Tampa Bay if Baker Mayfield, no, <laughs> if Baker Mayfield negotiations stall and a team swoops in and overpays for him. But Jake, we're also going to talk about a surprise release, which was the Dolphins releasing Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Ogba, which will clear up a good amount of cap space. It'll clear up. Let's see here. So it saved them 2.8 million cutting Xavier Howard. Whereas looking at looking at the numbers, Jake, it saves them a decent bit. But to be honest, it's a surprise release because Xavier Howard was their longest tenured player. And while he didn't have the best year, I did think he was at least somewhat solid. I kind of saw him as like a serviceable vet who could be like, if you have a clear number one, he could be a good number two. But for the majority of the year, he was having to be that number one because Jalen Ramsey was coming off of his injury. So I think he still has some juice left, but it's going to be as a number two as not as a number one because he cannot fly with like they the Justin Jeffersons of the world, the Jamar Chases, the DK Metcalfs. He can put up a fight, but he's going to give a lot more on the field than he would covering a number two, in my opinion. Yeah. And Ogba is a guy that's dealt with injuries these last two seasons, and it's caused a fall off in his game, unfortunately. I hate to see it because I loved him when he got drafted by the Browns originally. Then, like... He didn't really do much until his final year. Then he went to the Dolphins and then kicked ass for like two seasons. And then, injury, like I said, injuries started to pile up and he just fell off, unfortunately. Yeah, in 2022, he had a triceps injury after only nine games. Now, he did have five and a half sacks last season, but releasing him will save $13.7 million in 2024, which... For a team like the Dolphins, who will potentially have to sign Tua, because Tua will now. And Waddle. Tua is now extension eligible. I believe Waddle is... I think Waddle is, has been eligible. I think this is going to be his fifth year, I believe. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Fourth Maybe year. You could, fourth year. Thank you. Because he was in the Devontae Smith and Justin uh, and the Jamar Chase draft. Yes, thank you. And so 
I do believe that they're going to try and secure Waddle this season. Make sure that, you know, he's locked up. I think they'll try and push Tua back for at least right now. I think they'll want to wait because this was his first season fully healthy. And you do have to worry at least a little bit about injuries, mainly when you're dealing with concussions. Jake, also a little bit of a release. The Steelers releasing their starting center, Mason Cole, to save $5 million in cap space. I do think that what we're also going to see is Pittsburgh, release, Pittsburgh releasing Mason Cole doesn't shock me because I do think that what they're really going to be looking for in the draft, if they don't trade for Justin Fields, they'll probably draft a quarterback, I think. But if they do acquire Fields, then I think what they'll probably do is draft a starting center or maybe a guard and try and move him to center. But at least kind of a notable move, at least somewhat in the early portion of before free agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's like you said, it's a move that doesn't shock me that much either, because one, he's a serviceable center, but he's a center you could upgrade over. And the interior line for this draft, if you wanted to give move a guard to center or something like that, is fairly deep. And there's a couple of guys in this draft you can take in the first or the second round that have that guard center flexibility. So I'm okay with it. Exactly. And then, Jake, just real quick, wrapping up some decent little salary cap um reworks the saints and Derek Carr restructure their deal and that will save them 23 million against the cap which for the saints is massive because the saints have a ton that they, they they were way way over the cap and they've always spent quite a lot and in order to try and get ahead now, thankfully, the salary cap definitely ended up getting raised, which, Jake, before this release, though, the Saints needed to restructure enough money to free up $80 million. That's how far they were over the cap. And so this is a good chunk getting car. And then I mentioned this before we started recording. But Geno Smith and the Seahawks also restructured, which I think is big because that at least then gives Seattle flexibility to maybe trade for a Justin Fields or maybe draft a quarterback and have them sit behind Geno. But Jake, thoughts on these cap moves? I mean, it makes sense because if you think about it, this is like the year where it's far farther enough ahead of COVID and the 2023 season was like the greatest season in terms of financial stability and earnings that the NFL has seen. So you kind of have a back delay from COVID and that's starting to peel away and having such a phenomenal year profit wise that you're seeing the NFL, like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's increase it from 223 mil to mid 250 mil. 
they did a 13.2 or 13.3% increase to the cap. 13.6. You're very close. Yes, yes. exactly. And, and Jake, the speculation for a lot of teams. So Jake, the speculations were in the range of 240 to 245 when budgeting. Now, here's the other thing, Jake. This 30.6 million jump is the largest jump from one year to the next since the cap was introduced in 1994. And here's an example of how big this was. San Fran, Green Bay, and Seattle, both your team and my team, Jake, and the 49ers, were projected to be over the cap and now will be under the cap now that that's established. And what I think this will, what we'll see, Jake, is we are going to see, I think, some massive, massive deals for both quarterbacks. And I think we're going to see some increases in pay, probably for offensive linemen, because we noticed, Jake, O-linemen in free agency, they're very hit or miss. We saw what happened with Mike McGlinchey and Denver this past year where he was pretty underwhelming, all things considered. But I think what we'll also be seeing, Jake, is with this new crop coming through in the draft, if they're hitting free agency in three to five years, there's a chance that they could be making 25 mil plus a year. And so I think that what we're seeing is just the beginning year and potentially skyrocketing cap numbers for the NFL. Oh, yeah, because as long as we still get Kelsey dating Taylor Swift or potentially even marrying her, profits will be okay. I think. Even without that, to me, I think that what we're also seeing, Jake, is live sports just exploding because I think I think with the pandemic, what we saw was sports was really the only thing that was consistent and fans fans were clearly missed as well. Like you could watch baseball games, you could watch basketball games, you could watch NFL games. It wasn't the same without the fans. The fans made a difference. And what we saw is after fans started being allowed back into stadiums, we saw how they were flocking. You would see teams be selling out games every single week. And so what I think is with the rise in fan attendance, also the rise in sports merch, jerseys, hats, things of the like, I think that what we're going to be seeing is just more and more growth, especially because we're seeing more. I mean, the NFL has always been mainstream, but we're also seeing streaming numbers rise. I mean, you think about the Peacock game was massive. It got a massive number. They're going to be doing that again. If I remember, right, I think another streaming service might be getting another game. You had Nickelodeon have the Super Bowl, which also got a big number even outside of the regular broadcast. I would not be surprised, Jake. I'm making this prediction now. 
I would not be surprised if we see the cap close to 300 million, maybe in the 290 range next year. I'm just not ruling that out. I'd say give it two or three years if we see it hit 300 mil flat or more. But the way it's going, I could definitely see that being a scenario. But I'd say probably give it like three years before it actually hits that 300 mil mark. I see. I I see where you're coming from, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I would think that, but I just with how this is leading up, I I just don't know. I think it could get there bigger. But Jake, this wasn't on this wasn't on our show sheet, but I want to bring this up. Because while I'm at work, while I'm working, I listen to first take i'll listen to different sports shows and there was one specific scenario that boggled my mind and just blew it i was honestly enraged by it a little bit i wasn't outraged but i was very annoyed and i i I was a little ticked off by it and that was that of mike tannenbaum of ESPN suggesting that Russell Wilson should take a veteran minimum to go back up Aaron Rodgers for the Jets this upcoming season. I want to take a moment to rant about this because, first of all, Russell Wilson's a starting quarterback in this league. Him and Sean Payton just plain did not get along. And you saw Russ, 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He had a very solid year. He was undefeated in November and had no picks during that time. He still has plenty of football in him. He's a starting quarterback in this league. And while he may not be as athletic as he once was, I still think that Atlanta would absolutely love him. I think Pittsburgh would be phenomenal for him. If the Vikings don't take Kirk, I think bring Kirk back. I think Russ could go there. And first of all, and then another thing, Jake, Aaron Rodgers is about as diva as you can get. And I'm not saying that Russell Wilson is not necessarily a diva, but he's a diva in a different way. Highly optimistic family man. Now, Is he a little cringy, corny? Yes. Aaron Rodgers is Mr. Conspiracy Theory Ayahuasca in the Darkness Retreat. Those two personalities on the same roster, the the New York media already has enough to talk about. It would be up to the minute 24-7 jet watch if those two would be there. And also... This idea that Russell Wilson needs to rehab and resurrect his career, to me, is just flat out laughable because, what, you're going to tell me Desmond Ritter, Jacoby Brissett, those are better quarterbacks than Russell Wilson? Jake, what is your takeaway on this? Because I was ticked off when I heard that. So... I can definitely understand why you were pissed off. And as one, a guy that has watched 
<laughs> both Russell Wilson as Seattle is my number two team and watch Aaron Rodgers as my Packers are my number one team. So I've seen both these guys play for my entire young life. When Ever since I started watching football and watched these guys progress. And you are totally right. They are total polar opposites. I still think they would both. I think they're, they'd get along great. In like a a golf celebrity tournament type thing. I think they'd I think get they'd great good. in the don't talk to each other type way. <laughs> yes, I think they'd be okay. For, I think they'd be friends, but nothing more. The whole scenario that Russell Wilson should take a league minimum deal when how he performed this year, proven he can still be a... He's no, I don't think he could be a top 10 quarterback anymore, but if you're needing like a guy that can manage the game, scramble out of the pocket if need be, and make some plays with his legs, I think that he could probably still earn probably 15 to 20 mil a year, maybe even 25 because of how the quarterback market's going. And the fact that he even suggested he should be the backup to Aaron Rodgers. He kind of just needs to shut the fuck up because he has no idea what he's talking about. And Jake, keep in mind, this is a guy who was a former GM that recommended. And another thing is, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would allow that signing to happen because I think him as himself as a football player has too much respect for a guy like Russell Wilson. Some of the best games of my life have been Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks games. Whenever those games came on the schedule in the beginning of the year, me and you would look at each other and saying, we're getting a damn good game. We are, getting a play- we are getting a playoff game in the regular season. And I think they both have way too much respect for each other to allow this to happen. So, Jake, it's... Interesting that you say that because I don't necessarily think it's a respect thing that would stop Aaron Rodgers from that would make Aaron Rodgers prevent that move. It's the fact that he would not want Russell Wilson there because he I'll be honest, I don't think he really likes Russell Wilson. And the reason why I say that is because Russell Wilson for a long time there was there was actual t- conversations that Russell Wilson might be better than Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, we know he's a little prickly. He he can be pretty sensitive, not like criticism. And I think that we saw with what the Jets did, they turned the keys over to Aaron Rodgers. They gave him Nathaniel Hackett. They gave him Alan Lazard. They gave him Randall Cobb. They gave him Billy Turner. They gave him Dalvin Cook. I think that Aaron Rodgers, who is the de facto GM uh, and who signs off on everything for the Jets, I don't think he would want Russell Wilson there. Now, maybe a guy like Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Tannehill, I think, you know, a guy like that, I think Rodgers would be fine with because I don't think he's threatened by them. But there's no way he would let Russell Wilson on that team and I just think the idea of 
I under I get the idea of the Broncos essentially footing the bill for this year so you would be able to get Russell Wilson on the cheap. But on the Jets, no. It's just outrageous to me. I think that it's honestly a little disrespectful. And I think that I, I understand, you know, Mike Tannenbaum was, if I remember right, a GM for the Jets. But that's some mad scientist trying to repair your own team shit that seems more like wishful thinking and hopes and dreams rather than a scenario that is based in any any base of logic. So I just, yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because I was just appalled when that was recommended. Now, Jake, we are we are quite a few weeks away from the draft. We're actually about two months away from it. Because the draft will start, I believe, April 25th. And so we decided let's do a way, way, way too early mock draft. Now, the way we're going to be doing this is Jake is going to be having even picks. I am going to be doing the odd picks. And we aren't going to be doing any trades in this mock draft. This is the first one that we'll be doing. We will probably do one after free agency and after the combine. So that way there are positions that are sort of filled. And then we are able to gauge what the needs are for each team there. And I also want to preface this by saying some of these picks are going to be what is most likely going to happen. But what Jake and I are also going to do is we are also going to try and make picks that also make logistical sense for the teams that we think would actually fill a need. We're not going to have, you know, Washington take a punter with the second overall pick. We're going to actually have, you know, some logical thoughts with each pick. And Jake, Anything you want to add before we start this draft? Not really. Just I think this draft is going to be really fun. And we'll probably do like three mocks, maybe four at most from now to the end of the to the start of the draft. So take it with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. We are not football analysts. We are not draft. We are draft enthusiasts, but we are not guys that go over and watch the all 22 of every prospect in the draft. We haven't wrote scouting reports before. We've never been to an all-star game or anything like that. We are just guys that know football extremely well. And we just think that it would be fun to have a mock draft or a couple from our perspective as a non-analyst of the draft type. Well, what this also gives you, though, is the TV copy eyes, because we're not while we're not looking at the all 22 tape. What we see is we are able to give like if you watched any of the games like, you know, USC games or Michigan games, Alabama, Ohio State games like that. What you're able to do is 
you can usually spot talent. You can spot good. And so that will, if you can spot that, you can usually gauge what teams should pick if you know what their needs are. But Jake, without further ado, we'll start with pick number one, the Bears. And this is with the expectation that Justin Fields is getting traded. Caleb Williams is the obvious number one. To me, I think that there's going to be a lot of speculation. I think there's going to be talk that Drake May is going to get some love as a potential number one overall pick. Jaden Daniels, maybe even Bo Nix might get some, like how Will Levis did. You know, Jake, if you remember, Will Levis had the um, little bit of betting odds where it looked like he was going to be the number one overall pick last year. But to me, Caleb Williams, he's been talked about as the potential next Patrick Mahomes. And while there is some polishing that is needed, we have to remember that Patrick Mahomes was extremely wild and erratic coming out of Texas Tech. He was not what we see now today with Andy Reid. I think that the Bears will take Caleb Williams number one overall. And it's just kind of expected because if they do get rid of Fields, which is the most likely scenario at this current moment in time, Caleb is just a clear number one. Drake, you could make a case for Drake being there and saying, you know what? We like the guy's tangibles, maybe just a little bit more. We just see him as a better prospect in some areas of the game that we think our team's better at or what we want for our offense. But I agree with you. Caleb should be the number one overall pick. And I will preface this. If they do keep Justin, it's probably going to be Marvin Harrison that they'll take it for the first overall pick. Or they'll just trade down from to like the Patriots or the Commanders and get a shit ton of picks and then pick Marv with one with, with, with of those two picks. Mm-hmm. But the Washington Commanders are on the clock right now, and I have them going with Drake May, their future at quarterback, and their future signal caller, and who they hope can be the franchise saver. This is like a new era for the Washington Commanders because they still have hope with the new owner. They have a new GM. They have a veteran head coach. I think you're going to see May do very good. And you still have Sam Howell there. So if May's not ready to go day one, Howell can start a few games. And then May can come in and just be fresh. And you, like I said, you have good receivers, probably target tight end in the draft or in free agency. Now, the O-line is the only thing I'm worried about, but I think they'll address that with the cap space they're going to have coming into free agency, and they'll probably pick at least one or two O-linemen in the draft. So they'll have ample protection, ample weapons, and they still have a good running back tandem. Exactly. And Jake, it's sort of expected that it will be Drake May. Now, there is a possibility that they might get tempted by Jaden Daniels. But to me, I think that Drake May is the clear cut number two. It has been Caleb and Drake May for the last two years that they've talked about. 
And I think that Drake May, while he also can be a little erratic, a little inconsistent, I just think that Drake May is the exact kind of quarterback that Washington needs to try and regain their once proud status as a franchise. Now, the New England Patriots are on the clock at pick number three, and I have them taking Jaden Daniels. Look, the quarterback position is pretty barren for the Patriots since Tom Brady went to Tampa. They tried with Cam Newton. They tried with Mac Jones. They tried with Bailey Zappi. To me, there's no way to me that they would ever pick anything other than a quarterback here. Now, again, this is very early. We could see them make a trade for Justin Fields. We Who knows, Jake? Maybe the Patriots try and make a run at Justin Fields. We don't know. But for the sake of this exercise, I have them take Jaden Dan. I have them taking Jaden Daniels. My only really concern with Jaden Daniels is his frame. To me, he is a little slight, which is something that in the AFC East, you have big physical teams like Miami with their rushing attack. You have the Bills who are a tough defensive-minded team. And you have the Jets, which while they weren't very good last year, their defense can get after you and they will fly around. But I do think that Jane Daniels, he really came on, had a Heisman Trophy winning performance throughout the year. I think he's the guy for New England at number three. So this is where I'm going to disagree with you for the first time. I understand the Jaden pick. And yes, quarterback is the high-profile position that wins you games on offense. They have the ball in their hand every play on offense. But I think they'll get a veteran in there. And I think they should take Marvin Harrison. Because Jaden is very good. But I don't know if I would trust this new coaching staff with a guy like Jaden Daniels because I don't know how they are at developing offensive weapons. You have a heavy defensive-minded coaching set in there, Jared Mayo and the rest of the guys. So it's kind of like, okay, you don't have Bill O'Brien, so there goes like your true quarterback guru type guy. So if they did go Jaden, I wouldn't be upset, but... I think they would probably take Marvin Harrison and then get a quarterback next year or two years from now. Get I don't. The best res- get the best receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. And he's, he's one of those guys that is damn near a generational talent. I don't I, even have Caleb as a generational talent. I but, get it. But at the same time, Jake, here's what you also have to understand. The, the free agency market for receivers is going to be there. They can go get a Calvin Ridley, potentially a Mike Evans. You're not going to be able to find a quarterback, especially Jake, with a, a quarterback like Jane Daniels. You don't have to pay him for at least three years. Whereas if you trade for Justin Fields, you would have to pay for him. And I don't think you'll see Kirk Cousins go there. 
I don't see Russell Wilson really wanting to go there. Remember, he has a no trade clause, which basically means that the Broncos have to release him. I just think that Jaden Daniels is the pick for them. I understand Marvin Harrison's impact, but you can't really get the ball to receiver if you don't have a quarterback. And, and, and like me, I said, I understand where you're coming from, but that's just what I would do personally. Get Offer Kirk Cousins a shit ton of money, get him in there for two years, got, get a guy in either, and then maybe get a guy like Spencer Rattler or the, uh, what's the quarterback you really like coming into this guy in the distraction? It's like a third or fourth round. Sam Hartman. Yeah, get a Sam Hartman. Get a uh, Jordan Travis. Get one of those high upside guys that could be a quality starter and go from there. But hey, that's just what I would do. But the Cardinals are on the clock and this is the easiest pick of the draft besides Caleb Williams. They're getting Marvin Harrison. They're getting a true number one receiver for Kyler Murray. And I think Kyler Murray has a very good arm. He can escape the pocket. With Marvin Harrison, they are going to see and hope that this is the guy that can be there, can be the new Larry Fitzgerald because of his size, his speed, his hands, his route running. He is just a phenomenal prospect, and him and Kyler are going to gel from day one. I absolutely agree with this pick. And Jake, this is what I think is most likely to happen, mainly because of the fact that you're going to, I think you will see the three quarterbacks go, and I do think Marvin Harrison will fall to four, which would be very beneficial to him because you have a guy like Kyler who is decently accurate. Now, I've been heavily critical of him because I've always thought he's a little cocky, little too, a little too arrogant to the NFL game because you have to remember Kyler basically was a baseball player mindset playing quarterback. I do think that coming off of this ACL injury and coming back, he looked good in the few games that he played towards the end of the year. I think that having a receiver like Marvin Harrison will at least allow the Cardinals to compete in a very, very clogged NFC West. Now, Jake, for pick number five, the Los Angeles Chargers are on the clock. And I might be surprising you here. I have they them could go taking, a number of routes here. I have them taking Brock Bowers. And the reason why is to me, if you look at what the if you look at what the Chargers need, you could absolutely argue Romeo Dunze. Malik neighbors, a receiver at this position. You could also Joe Walt. You could also potentially select Joe Walt or Alum Alumua Fashanu. Olu Fashanu. Uh, just say yeah, Olu Fashanu. Uh, yeah, that's what everybody but, calls him. Is this Olu? <laughs> yeah, Olu Fashanu is also a very popular pick here. You could say, but to me, Jake. One thing that Justin Herbert has never really had is a dominant tight end. 
And Brock Bowers fits that bill. We we talked about Kyle Pitts as a generational talent, but there have been talks that Brock Bowers is even better than what Kyle Pitts was coming out of college. And to me, there I think the idea of positional importance in the draft is a little silly. I have always thought if you can get the, a need and the best player available, arguably, that is what you select. And to me, Brock Bowers for the Chargers gives them a, another threat that Justin Herbert has never had. You could argue his best tight end was maybe what Jared Cook for a little bit. Donald Parham. Gerald Everett for like a year. Hunter Henry. Like Brock Bowers to me is a game changer. And in a division like the AFC West, the way you're going to be able to win that division and compete with the Chiefs is through offense. And to me, Brock Bowers is the obvious pick for the Los Angeles Chargers and Jim Harbaugh's new offense. Oh, agreed. Now, the Giants, I'm struggling between two players here. And it is Malik Neighbors and Joe Alt. Because Evan Neal has not worked out at right tackle for the past two years. If you wanted, you could easily move him to right guard and throw Alt at right tackle. You would have a mean-ass tandem with that, and you still have your star left tackle. But... They need receiver, so I'm going to give them Malik Neighbors out of LSU. To me, I think he is closer to Marvin Harrison than Roma Dunze is to himself. I think it's like a 1A, 1B, because Malik is so fucking good. He is just a phenomenal route runner and the way he literally continues to move while he's going into his breaks is so beautiful. Usually most receivers have to, when they're going into their breaks or their, or their route trees, slow down a bit and then excel. He is excelling while going into his routes. It is such a rare ability I mean, most people are comparing him to, like, uh, DJ Moore for the Bears. Everybody says that he is, like, a DJ Moore. I even saw one the other day that from a podcast, and it was, he is prime Antonio Brown. Because the reason Antonio Brown could was so unstoppable for, like, four or five years was because he was accelerating into his breaks, and almost no DB could keep up with him. And I agree with their statements. If you told me Malik Neighbors was, you had a higher grade of Malik than Marvin Harrison, but by barely, I would say I understand, but I think Marvin is just a little bit better because of his frame and size. But shit, it's a 1A, 1B, like I said. And he's just a phenomenal receiver. And Giants fans, meet your new OBJ. I definitely agree with the pick because to me, Jake, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum throughout the last couple of years and I've complained about it 
constantly. The Giants have never had a dominant receiver since Odell Beckham left. Since Odell Beckham left, they've had bums to me. Sterling Shepard can be nice, but he's often injured. Slayton, to me, is not a number one. They tried to get Kenny Galladay to be that guy, gave him a fat paycheck, and then he disappeared faster than Miles Sanders did on Carolina this year. And, I mean, what? You have, who else? Wandale Robinson? Not a one. To me, I think that Malik Neighbors fills that number one role. And I did say at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if you could see the Giants go quarterback. I think that they might address that in later position, in later draft spots. But I think Malik Neighbors is the right pick for their first rounder. Now, Jake, Tennessee Titans on the clock at number seven. And I am going to give them Joe Alt. What we've seen with the Tennessee Titans is they've wanted to run the ball consistently. Now, I think that what we're going to see with new head coach Brian Callahan is a bit of a culture shift to a more pass-happy team with quarterback Will Levis. I think that Joe Alt is going to give them that pass-blocking tackle that Will Levis needs because, Jake, if you watch some of those Tennessee Titan games when he took over, outside of that first game, he was getting smoked. He was he was getting heated up ad nauseum nonstop. He basically was chilling out. He might as well have been auditioning for a mattress company, Jake. He was on his back that much. I think that with Joe Alt for the Titans, you're going to see Will Levis protected and be able to see him distribute the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks, as well as our boy Chigakonkwo. I do think that if you wanted to give them Romeo Dunze, I would not argue it because I do think that receiver is also something they need. However, this usually is a pretty deep wide receiver draft. We usually get about 10 to 15 guys that can really play. And I would argue, Jake, we did see Puka Nakua, fifth round, become a star over his rookie season. I'm not saying that the Titans will have a guy like that, but it is possible. Tackles, you're not going to see that very often in later rounds, so I'm giving them Joel. Okay, I, you know, and I totally agree with it. The Titans need a tackle. They need to keep Will Levis upright because if you keep Will Levis upright, he does some pretty damn nice things with the football. And you're having Joe all at left tackle and Peter Skaronsky is your left guard. That is going to be a tandem for a decade, almost probably, that you can have, and that left side of your line is solidified. So this is going to be the first guy that I see him going in the top 12, top 10, usually. I've never seen him go to this team, though. The Atlanta Falcons are going to take a pass rusher. Just not the one everybody thinks. Everybody has Dallas Turner going to the Falcons. 
I'm thinking, you know what? I don't hate it. Super athletic edge rusher out of Alabama. He would definitely be a very good fit. But can I predict? Go for it. Are you going Layatu Latu? Nope. I am going defensive tackle. Oh, I, am I know going where you're going. Byron yeah. Murphy the second. I think you have David Onyumata, who is a good number two, but he's no he's not a spring chicken. You have Grady Jarrett, a legend for the Falcons. He is coming off of a very nasty, very nasty injury, and he's what in his early thirties now. Possibly, I will fact check that as you go. So Byron Murphy is that like next guy up, and having David Onyemata there and Grady Jarrett have there to teach Byron Murphy how it works in the NFL. He, Byron Murphy barely even has to play as a rookie. If he plays significant snaps, it means he either beat on Yumada or somebody gets injured. You can have a high key, you can have a blue chip prospect at DT for the future. And we've seen how important that interior D line is for the Falcons in the past years, even going back to the Dan Quinn era. They have always valued that interior defensive line, and Byron Murphy just adds to that. Absolutely. And Jake, I've actually seen Byron Murphy fall to Seattle in a couple spot, in a couple mock drafts. I think that if you're Atlanta, you did lose Grady Jarrett, who is 30 as mm. at this moment. He will probably be 31 by the time the season starts. I do think that Byron Murphy is a phenomenal pick for the Atlanta Falcons. Some would argue maybe a bit of a reach, but to me, if you're wanting a solid pass rusher, I would say he's the, the guy. The Bears' and second He's pick, a very good run stopper, too, yes. as well. Sorry, I'll let you go to your I'll, pick. Perfectly fine. The Bears have their second pick at nine, and Jake... If this happens, they are thrilled to have Romeo Dunze fall to them. Now, UW is my favorite team in college, and this guy is an absolute game changer. I'm going to say this right now. If, if Michael Penix had had any time in that national title game against Michigan, Romeo Dunze was wide open three times and was going to score. Like he beat their corners badly. I think that the Bears, with having Caleb Williams, Romeo Dunze, Cole Komet, you have DJ Moore still there as well. And then you also have, I mean, who is the running back, Jake, this year? I mean, you had uh, Roshan Johnson, who is solid. And potentially Khalil Herbert is sticking around. And while he was hurt, he did have flashes early on in the year. To me, I think the Bears are starting over. And you might actually see a shift to a bit more of an offensive side of the ball for a culture that has been defense since the 1950s, honestly. Jake, I think that if you get... 
Caleb and Rome Dunze, you could be looking at a team that could potentially be vying for the division title or at worst, a wild card spot. There's definitely a possibility there just because of how good a receiver Roma Dunze is and how good of a quarterback Caleb is. You have Cole Komet, who I had doubts these last few years, but this year watching him, he has shown improvement in a lot of areas. And I'm thinking like, damn, okay, he's a legit starting tight end now. You have DJ Moore still there. You have a good running back tandem. Your offensive line could use some work, but you still have a good amount of money for free agency. And hell, you could even pick up a tackle in the second round. Oh, I know. Never mind. They don't have a second round pick anymore. But we'll just say they got a second rounder out of Justin Fields. You use that second rounder from the Fields trade on offensive lineman to help protect Caleb. And you also have DJ Moore. And you you pretty much just draft another receiver or pay a receiver to be that third and be like, all right, you got a verified alpha, a guy that we think can be an alpha, a good quality tight end, a improved O-line, a good running back tandem, and insert slot receiver here. Shit. That could be a dangerous team. And I would love to see it as a football fan. Now, this pick, Jake, I'm very curious as to where you go for the Jets on what you think they're going to do. I'm not going to take a receiver here just because I don't like any of the names being this high in the draft. You saw the Jets' tax situation go to shit. And that left tackle is what gave up that sack that injured Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to take Olufushanu out of Penn State here because he's a very good pass blocker. Run blocking, that's where I think Joe Alt kind of gets the edge over him. Joe Alt's a little bit more of a he's a little bit better of a run blocker while they're still they're both very good pass blockers, but Joe Alt has better stances and he doesn't leave his chest exposed as much as Olu does, but I think when you have a guy that's tackle two in this class that some people could even say is tackle one falling to you with a 10th overall pick, and that's a primary need, you take that and you fucking run to the podium to get a guy like Olu Fushanu on your team. And I think he'll do good with the Jets. They still need more than just a tackle. I think they need a guard or a center, but that's a start. I absolutely agree, Jake. I think that this is what the Jets should do. I think this is what the Jets will do. And we saw Dwayne Brown, Jake. The man's the man's old enough to maybe be my grandfather at this point. The, and Mackay Becton, the man is just not very good. We'll just call it what it is. He's not very good. I think that Olufashanu would be a fantastic left tackle, give Aaron Rodgers a chance to not blow out his Achilles four plays into the year. And I think that he will be a plug-and-play guy for the Jets. Now, Jake, I'm going to speed up my picks a little bit because 
I do realize that we <laughs> we are taking our sweet time, which is good, but at the same time, we do have a lot of picks still left to yeah. do. Jake, so for the Minnesota so. Vikings, I am going to have them take a bit of a surprise here. I'm going to have them take Jackson Powers Johnson, the center for Oregon, at pick 11, because I believe that what we're going to end up seeing is center is becoming a more and more important position. They have to know all of the defensive alignments, all the pass rush alignments, whether they're stunts, whether they're coming, whether they're dropping out, and they have to get that ball cleanly exchanged. We even saw Creed Humphrey, Jake. We both love Creed Humphrey. He had a lot of low snaps in the Super Bowl. If Kirk Cousins does return, which I think he might, I believe that that would be a prime pick because Jackson Powers Johnson also has shown that he can block both in the run and pass game. Yes, and I want you to look up his size really quick. Okay. He is like 6'4", 325, 330 pounds. That is massive. Six three three twenty. Yeah, that is massive for a center. Oh, he's huge. And and he moves. He is literally a young Travis Frederick. That is who he reminds me of, because of that rare size and and agility to move. Absolutely. And he's going into a ga- a a gap scheme and an outside zone or pin and pull, whatever the fuck you want to call it, in the Vikings. So it'd be perfect. So speeding it up, I'm taking. I'm having Sean Payton take his quarterback of the future. He's going to take JJ McCarthy here, and I think Sean Payton can do great work with the quarterback. He improved Russell Wilson, even though he was, uh, in my opinion, a dickhead to him all year. But JJ McCarthy has so many tools to work with, and. I think it's going to be very good for him to go to a guy like Sean Payton. This is literally a ball of clay or like a piece of steel that hasn't been hammered yet. He can make JJ into whatever he wants. And I think Payton is salivating at getting this guy. So that is actually not the quarterback that I would have going to the Broncos. I think that J.J. McCarthy, I really don't know how much he really has more to grow because we saw, Jake, in that championship game, he was not good. The only reason they won that game is because the run game for Michigan was unstoppable. Not to mention, I do, now I will give him fair credit, against Alabama, he did have some big time throws, but his a lot of his big plays, Jake, in some big games was him handing the ball off to Blake Corum. I just don't trust J.J. McCarthy to be a guy that really can get a team to that next level. Now, Sean Payton doesn't necessarily want a guy like Russell Wilson, who's a playmaker. He wants a guy who will run the play that is called no extra just a basic, you know, pocket passer. And I think that's basically what McCarthy is. So I understand it, but that is not who I have 
would have them picking. The guy I would have them picking, I'm going to have the Raiders pick, and that would be Bo Nix. Bo Nix, Jake, is the most experienced quarterback in this draft. He has, I believe, 60 career starts in college. You could argue low upside, but I believe that he's a bit more mobile than people give him credit. And he may not have a cannon of an arm, but he is extremely accurate. Jake, his comp is Drew Brees with a bit more mobility. And Drew Brees, he was athletic, but Bo Nix is more athletic than Drew ever was. And Jake, he led, I think he finished his career with the highest career completion percentage. I think this past year, he was like 77% or something. I think that what the Raiders need is a guy who can distribute the ball to Devontae Adams, who can get the ball to a tight end, whoever the, or to Michael Mayer. I think that Bo Nix is going to be the next quarterback of the future for the Raiders. As much as I would love my Seahawks to get him, I think Bo Nix goes 13 to the Raiders. You know, and I understand where you're coming from with that. I definitely could see it being a possibility where Bo Nix goes to the Raiders at 13 because the way I see him, he has a very high floor, but it's his ceiling I'm worried about. And I don't know how that ceiling is, but like when I said with JJ to the Broncos, his ceiling is something we can't even see because we just don't know. I think it's because it's non-existent. And that's your take. And I understand where you're coming from. But so the Saints are now on the clock. And I am going to have them take Johnny Newton or Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. They need some interior pass rush. They lost David Onyemata last year in free agency. Their interior and their edges have slowed down a bit. And... I think Johnny Newton is just that really good three tech that they need to just rush the pocket. Him and Brian Brzee are going to be a very good duo of interior defensive tackles that he could even play four, three defensive end if need be. So I like the fit and I think he'll do good. I agree. I think they need to get a bit more pass rush on the interior. And I think that, while they could draft a quarterback, who knows, they might surprise us after restructuring Derek Carr's deal. But to me, I think that Derek Carr will be at least somewhat solid enough to keep them in contention in the dog shit division that is the NFC South. And I think Jerzon Newton will be a stud for years to come. The Colts are on the clock at 15, and I have them taking Talese Fuaga. Jake, their O-line does need help. Their O-line needs help badly because Anthony Richardson, while he did get hurt on a quarterback run, I think that what we saw is he's going to have an ability, Jake, to work on throwing the ball after that surgery, get reps in early, not have to run as much. He'll still be able to run, but I think Talis Huaga will be able to protect him, make him not have to bail the pocket as much, and allow him to distribute the ball to Michael Pittman, who I think they'd re-sign in free agency, maybe over the top to Alec Pierce. And I think that Talese Fuaga 
They do need receiver. You could go receiver here as well. But I just think that right now, O-line is where they need because their O-line is getting older. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, your left tackle, younger guy, you picked him, I think, two years ago in the first round. He's worked out so far. Your Quentin Nelson is still Quentin Nelson. Ryan Kelly's unsure because of his injury history. Right guard is something you could probably just draft a guy in the second or pay a guy because I don't know how they're going to handle that. Right tackle, yeah, Talis Fuaga is probably the best pure right tackle in this draft. And he's a plug-and-play type of guy. And I think he'd fit there very well. So I'm scared. With your Seattle Seahawks, I have them going defense. Shocker. (laughs) They are going Dallas Turner out of Alabama. Okay. I think they juice up that pass rush. Boye Mape had, what, 10 and a half sack season. Leonard Williams can be your interior, interior like heavy-handed, edge, heavy-handed defensive lineman. And who do they pay massive last offseason? Draymond Jones. For the Broncos. Draymond Jones. Yeah. Draymond Jones. And, and he, was a, he was a no-show. <laughs> yes. I think Draymond and... Leonard, if you do keep Leonard, can be a very good interior while you have Boye, Mafe, and Dallas Turner who are freak pass rushers coming off that edge with their speed. Yeah, you're going to have two guys in the middle that are going to push that pocket and make life hell, and then you're going to have freak A and freak B over here just rushing the guy with pure speed and saying, fuck you, bitch. So I I think it's a very good pick. I don't I didn't expect Turner to fall to 16, but I love the fit. Hey, he had he led he tied the SSC lead SEC lead with sacks at ten, and he was eighth over the entire country. I think that is a fantastic pick. If you can't get a quarterback, you don't need a receiver. You don't really have a ton of needs if you're Seattle outside of quarterback. You could go O line, but to me, I think that beefing up that pass rush. Getting a, another bookend guy to go along with Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor, who both had very good years, and giving them a bona fide pass rusher because Jake, their defense sort of started, sort of fell apart last year. You'd look at their talent and they were damn near the bottom. I think Mike McDonald would love a guy like Dallas Turner, 6'4, 250, freak athletic pass rusher. And he's going to get him. Jake, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. And I could see them taking an O-lineman. I could see him taking a receiver. But I am having them take Terion Arnold, cornerback for Alabama. And the reason why is because Tyson Campbell, Jake, is a very good corner. But he was hurt throughout the entire year. And outside of him, their defense was really not all that great. Now, they did have a good amount of takeaways throughout the year, but that was early on in the season. And throughout the er, collapse at the end of the year, they weren't getting any turnovers. I think a guy like Terion Arnold, solid DB, gives them another guy to pair with Tyson Campbell, 
a guy that you also don't have to pay. And Jake, remember, Tyrion Arnold, he's he's a biggish corner at six feet, but two almost two hundred pounds. It'll be interesting to see where he tests in the combine as far as his speed goes. But to me, Jake, I think it's a pretty easy pick. Tyrion Arnold, defensive back from Alabama going to the Jags. You know, and I don't hate the pick. A lot of people are kind of confused on who cornerback one is in this class because you're going to have like four guys that are really good. So I'm okay with that. Now, the Bengals are a really rough one. They need tight end. They need defensive back. They need tackle. And they need interior because we don't know if they're going to keep um, uh, who the hell was the defensive tackle they paid a lot of money to to, go, to leave the Texans? I know who you're talking about, but I'm blanking. But I really good run stuffer. We don't even know if he's gonna if they're gonna keep him if I offer him another contract. So if I'm gonna go in the universe saying they do pay him, so. I know a lot of people aren't going to have them taking a cornerback, but DJ I'm going to... Yes, thank you, DJ Reader. I don't like any of the defensive tackles or interior guys at this point, so I'm going to give them Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. I think giving Quinion who is almost 200 pounds. He's six foot, very good NFL size. He will play very good in that system. And I just think at the end of the day, he could play very good. He'll be a day one starter. And you have insurance in that back end. And you can never have too many defensive backs in your division. Very true. And I think that pair... We saw, Jake, last year, the exit of both Jesse Bates and Von Bell was a massive loss at safety. That that secondary became very torchable. I think that Quinion Mitchell would allow them to at least start to rebuild that defensive backfield. I think that's a great pick. Now, the Los Angeles Rams, Jake, they do have quite a few needs. You could have them take a tackle here. You can have them take a corner. You could have them take a quarterback if you really want to. But to me, Jake, I have them taking Liatu Latu out of UCLA. I think they keep the guy in in city. And I think what they really need, Jake, is we saw that that pass rush, they performed well above expectations, all things considered, because it was basically Aaron Donald and kids. Byron Young really stepped up, and I think that they're going to add another infusion of young talent, Layatu Latu, to the Rams. Oh, easy. He could be that, like, three-four hands-in-the-dirt edge rusher or even be, like, that three-four stand-up linebacker. And... Oh, God. Him with the interior guys that they have. 
And even Aaron Donald still being there. Oh, dude, that is a scary thing. And I'm actually looking at, like, NFL, because I'm curious, like, I, I look at, like, people who the NFL comparison is. Lance Zerline, a very highly respected NFL analyst, has him compared to TJ Watt when he was coming out. 6'5", 265. Yeah, he's big. And I see it. So I love the pick last year, Jake. Yep. So now with the Steelers, I don't know where to go here because you took my pick at 11. I was going to give them Jackson Powers Johnson (laughs) because with Mason Cole being out, it was just a perfect fit. So I know where I'd go, at least. I'm not going to give him receiver. They have enough offensive weapons. Like, DB. I'm going to hate myself for doing this. I'm going to give him Cooper DeGene from Iowa. Uh, I think Cooper DeGene is a guy, as a Packers fan, I want him so bad. Because he has Guess that dual twenty-five was. Yeah, I know. Fuck you. I think he'll play so good in the back end. He can be a nickel. He can be your slot. He can be your outside. He can be a deep safety if you want to because of how he runs and tackles. He will fit so well in the secondary. Him and Minka are going to fucking love each other. And I love the pairing. I do too. Okay, your turn with the Dolphins. And unfortunately, I like I said, that was who I was going to have your Packers pick at 25 because I thought that would be a match made in heaven. You don't know if Jair would be there or this upcoming year. I think it would be perfect. But being that as it may, I'm going to have the Dolphins, Jake, take Troy Fatanu out of Washington because we saw their O-line get ravaged by injuries. Now, granted, a lot of that was in the interior, but to me, Jake, their tackles, we don't know if Teron Armstead's going to stick around. And their other tackle, yikes. And I think that Troy Fatanu, whether you put him in at left or right tackle, I think he's going to be able to keep Tua upright and he will allow him to distribute to the ball to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. We saw how explosive they were last year, even with all those injuries. I think that giving Troy Fatanu to Miami, it just makes so much sense. So here's a question I have for you about this pick. Do you have him as a tackle or a guard because I have seen so many people saying he could be your right guard or your right tackle, but so many people are moving him inside to guard and with Robert Hunt, probably not going to get retained by the dolphins. If he is great, Troy Fontenot can be right tackle, but would you rather, so let's say Robert Hunt doesn't stay. Would you rather have him be right guard or right tackle? So he's six four three seventeen, Jake. I think that he has the size to play guard or tackle. To me, 
I think it would really come down to need. If they move him to guard, I think that would work. But I don't know. They With the Dolphins, you really don't know. I think Mike McDaniel and the O-line coach would just try and figure something out. I think they draft him and figure it out. I, I think it also depends if they keep Robert Hunt or not. I think it's like if they, you keep Robert Hunt, okay, pick him at right, stick him, stick him at right tackle, call it good. If you don't, either one. But with the Philadelphia Eagles, they are finally getting some secondary help because y'all motherfuckers got burnt last year because of your old ass secondary. You had Kevin Bygard, who is Darius pretty old. <clears throat> Darius Slay and James Bradbury. James Burntberry. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> and I have always loved Darius Slay. He played okay, but he was starting to show regression because of age. He just couldn't keep up with some of the faster and more physical guys. So I am going to give him Nate Wiggins out of Clemson. He is 6'2", 185. By the time he gets to the NFL, he'll probably be play weight, what, 195. I think he'll put on like 10 pounds to be closer to that 200 mark. I think so. So he can, so he can be more of that big physical guy, but still be freaking phenomenal. He will be right there and fuck it. If you keep Darius Slay, he can mentor Wiggins. And I would love that. But what do you have them doing for the Texans? So, real quick, on the Nate Wiggins pick, I love it because that's exactly what the Eagles need. And to me, it, without question, I have them taking uh, Nate Wiggins, if that were me. Now, Jake, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this pick. Now, you could have a receiver go to Houston. You could have, like, Brian Thomas. You could have a tackle because the O-line, while they were hurt, they held up well, but you might want depth. But Jake, I am giving Houston a guy to pair with Will Anderson. I am giving them Chop Robinson. Because to me, Jake, I think that Chop Robinson's upside absolutely is what you're looking at because Jake, we looked at Will Anderson and there was talk that Will Anderson wasn't the best defensive player in the draft. People were talking like he was going to be second to Tyree Wilson because of upside. Jake chop Robinson to me. I mean, he had four sacks. Now granted he did have a little bit, a little bit of a down year, nothing crazy. But Jake, you look at the dimensions, 6'3", 250. I think that you put him in with a guy like Will Anderson, who takes up a ton of attention and you give him one-on-ones. I just think that the Texans, I could see them taking Jared Verse as well. But to me, I just think that the Texans look at upside and go with Chop Robinson. You know, and I don't hate it. I understand where you're coming from, and it makes total sense to me. So, with the Cowboys, 
I struggle with this because this pick entirely depends on if they keep Tyron Smith, I would not draft a tackle. If they don't keep Tyron Smith, I'm drafting a tackle. I'm going to go with that Jerry Jones picked him himself. I think they'll keep him. And I'm going to give Micah Parsons a running mate. I'm going to have to pick Jared Verse out of Florida State. This guy is freaking phenomenal as a pass rusher. He's not going to blow you off the war. He's not going to blow your mind with his athletics, but watching it from a technical standpoint, his pass rushing moves, he has plans upon plans for the guys he's going against. And he uses his hands so much. I think pairing him with Micah Parsons is just a mean fucking tandem. And Demarcus Lawrence is getting up there in age. So this could be his apparent too. Absolutely. And to me, Jake, I think that I'm going to give you a little bit of a bold prediction. I think if Jared Verse falls to them, they release or try and trade Demarcus Lawrence. Because to me... That what he said, I don't know if you listened to first take, but when they were at the Super Bowl, he talked about how the team was, quote unquote, tired and burnt out. And to me, that did not go over well in the locker room. Micah Parsons himself said he hated what he was saying, and he admitted that there's a culture problem. I think Demarcus Lawrence might get it traded or released. And Jared Verse would be a very, very good replacement. Now, Jake, your Packers, I struggle with because I have two options here. But Can I guess one of them? Yes. The left tackle out of Alabama, J.C. Latham. So, Jake, I am actually going to give your Packers J.C. Latham. I struggle between him and Kool-Aid McKinstry because you need corner but you also need tackle and jake you want to talk about a tackle this man is 66360 a certified brick wall this man is the also the top ranked offensive lineman by all major outlets jake if he's able to fall to 25 for your Packers, they would be morons to not pick him. Not to mention, Jake, this is the exact type guy you need to replace David Bakhtiari, who I know you love, but he gets hurt often. And Jake, now he was at right tackle in 2023. However, to me, I think that they might use him at left tackle to replace Bakhtiari. And Jake, in 408 pass sets, he allowed two sacks. To me, this is the exact guy that you draft. And I think this would be a dream for the Green Bay Packers. Kool-Aid McKinstry would be fantastic as well. But 
They get J.C. Latham. And I love the pick. So, the Bucks are a weird one. They, they could everything. go corner. They could go interior. They could go linebacker, edge in the first round. I'm assuming Mike Evans is not going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer this coming year. I'm going to give him Brian Thomas out of LSU. That's where and I would have gone as well. It was either him or Kool-Aid McKinstry because they do need secondary help with Carlton Davis and their other cornerback was not that good this off this past year. But if Brian Thomas falls to you at 26 and Mike Evans is no longer in the building, bro, take it and run. Thomas is 6'4", 205. He is a big play receiver with very deep, with very good speed. So I love the match. He, Baker can throw a hell of a deep ball, and you're keeping that big play guy in town, too. You're keeping a, you're just getting another big play, big body receiver. Absolutely. I think that's exactly what Tampa Bay needs. I don't know if Mike Evans stays. I know he wants to. But to me, I could see a team like Kansas City. I could see a team. I could see a team like hell, even Carolina paying him a boatload of money, him taking it and them ending up with Brian Thomas would be a dream. Now, Arizona, they will end up with Kool-Aid McKinstry because when you look at Kool-Aid McKinstry, Jake, this is a corner that they've needed for a while. And he is a absolute stud. And to me, when you look at that secondary, Jake, there's really not a whole lot of names outside of Buda Baker. And to me, Buda Baker, while we both love him, he might want another, he might want to trade still unless you get him some help back there. And Kool-Aid McKinstry is 6'1", 195. He could easily be 200 by the start of this season. And Jake, he, he finished first team all SEC, SEC, and he was one of the top corners by a, by a large margin. And what you also can do, Jake, is have him end up contributing in punt return. I think that Cooley McKinstry, Arizona, their two first round picks, they get a star on the offensive side and they get a star on the defensive side. So I'm going to go a little bit off script with the Bills. I'm going to have them take a receiver, but not one that people would link to them. Gabe Davis is not going to be on their team. Stephon Diggs is still a alpha dog, in my opinion. But I'm going to have them go with the best contested catch and jump ball receiver in this class outside of maybe like Marvin Harrison, Rome, and Malik. Besides like the top three. Mm -hmm. And that is Keon Coleman I, out of I Florida just, State. I mouthed Keon as you were saying that. If he does, I don't even know if he goes in the first round of the NFL draft. 
He'll be a top 40 pick probably, but I just love the cannon of an arm that Josh Allen has and the size frame and the jump ball and contested catch ability that Keon Coleman could bring to this offense. I just think it's, I wouldn't say a match made in heaven, but I really like the fit. I absolutely do as well. And I think what you'd also see is Keon Coleman having more consistent hands than Gabe Davis or a guy like Khalil Shakir, who did step up this year. He's your slot. Exactly. He's your slot. You need another guy on the outside. Keon Coleman is perfect. Now, Detroit, this is an easy pick. They get Enos Rakestraw Jr. out of Missouri. I think that we all saw the biggest weakness for Detroit was corner. Overall, their linebackers were fantastic. You have Aiden Hutchinson. Give him a guy who can become a star on the back end so you have a guy at all three levels. And I think Enos Rakestraw Jr., Jake, is a no-brainer pick for a team with very few weaknesses like the Detroit Lions. So, this is one of my local guys, as I live in Missouri. And he is kind of, I wouldn't say a my guy in this draft, but this is such a Dan Campbell pick because Aeneas Rex Straw Jr. is such a tough SOB. He is willing to be a thumper in the run game, and he will hit. He is six foot 188. He plays like he's 6'3", 210. This guy's a fucking asshole to deal with, and I love it. It's such a phenomenal pick. So, the the Ravens are getting one of my favorite players, and I'm going to give him a receiver. I am going to give them Troy Franklin out of Oregon. That's what I thought. Because you keep that speed. I don't think you're going to keep OBJ. You are building a fucking track team. You have Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, probably the fastest quarterback in the league. Maybe, maybe second at worst. You have Troy Franklin there now, who is probably a 4-3 guy, and he's 6-3, like 185, 190. I think he'll put on some weight before he reports to rookie training camp. Maybe he gets to 200, but still runs probably in the high 4-3s, 4-4 on flat. And, I mean, you also have, oh, fuck. Who was the rookie receiver they took in last year's draft in the first round? Zay Flowers. Yeah, Zay is also a burner. He's just like that smaller burner. Troy is the type of guy with the size. He could demand double teams right out the gate because of how fast and how big he is size-wise. So... I wish there was a couple other receivers here, but I mean, receivers in need and just build a track team and have fun watching defensive coordinators have nightmares. Exactly. Especially with what we saw in that offense in the first year of Todd Munkin's system, 
Jake, for the San Francisco 49ers, it's a very tricky spot because I think that they're going to get a tackle and we have three on the board still that are very, very playable. I don't know if they would go with um, Marius Mims while he is a massive human being. He was injured last year, did miss quite a few games. I think, Jake, they take Graham Barton out of Duke because we saw their right tackle situation, Jake, was not good at all. And I think that them getting a guy like Graham Barton, Duke tackles have always been absolutely phenomenal. Now, he was a left tackle during the year. I just think that they could maybe try and teach him how to play right tackle. And to me, it's just a no-brainer. They need O-line help. And while they could get corner, I think they can address that in later rounds. And even if they don't believe in him at tackle, he'd be a hell of a guard based off his based off of his frame and athleticism. So it's it's like Troy Fontenelle, but instead of a right tackle, it's a left tackle going into guard. So fuck it. See what happens. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs. I have a guy in this draft. They're not taking receiver with this pick. I'll say that. Really? They are taking a tight end. They are going to take Jatavion Sanders out of Texas. I think you get Travis Kelsey's heir apparent, and you go from there. And the reason I love Sanders is because he's fast. He's a very good route runner. He finds the zones and the scheme. And I think having Kelsey there to mentor him for a year or two, oh, he's going to be such a pain in the ass. Absolutely. And I like this pick mainly due to the fact that we've seen Patrick Mahomes with a dominant tight end in Travis Kelsey his entire career. But he did show signs of regression. He had a lingering injury. He was banged up a lot throughout the year. To me, I think that the Chiefs try and get a succession plan. I think they address free agency or wide receiver rather in free agency. And I love Jatavion Sanders going to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Jake, that and is our go ahead. If they didn't take Javion Sanders, I was going to give him Vlad McConkie. Just because if they're going to take a receiver, they're going to take McConkie because of how good of a technical route runner he is and how good of a slot option he would be. Exactly. I do think that would also have been where I would have gone. I don't think they would have gotten defensive line because I do believe that they are going to keep Chris Jones. And we saw how well Karloft is played throughout the year. But Jake, that is our mock drafts. And we're probably going to do at least one more of these, probably after free agency, maybe wait till the combine as well. But that is going to do it for this episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. Thank you all for listening. You can check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take it easy.